It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother, Dusty. Dusty, I'm going to ask you for once a really tough question, the kind that you always <laughs> ask me. What do you, Hobbs, and Shaw all have in common? Wow. Well, let's see. Um, very good looking. There you go. That's number um, one. Super buff. Yep, number two. Um, and I like, uh, like having guns and firearms everywhere. Oh, that's number three. But a uh, number four, the one that stuck with me is nobody tells you what to do. Oh, I love that. I love that. Throughout the thing, like they're trying to tell each other what to do. And each line is nobody tells me what to do. I thought that was, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah, totally right. applicable to Dusty Heiner in his life. <laughs> absolutely. If you tell me what to do, I'll do the opposite. <laughs> that's the way it is, man. For sure. That's why you've got you've to tell Dusty, for the listeners, you've got to tell him what you don't want to. I'm sorry. You've got to flip the script and mind reverse him you know what i mean if you want him to go somewhere tell him do not go there it's a waste of your time he'll eventually find his way there yeah that's so true <laughs> yep yep all right so dust what did you think of hobbs and shaw i enjoyed it you know obviously without having to or you have to suspend your disbelief and just go with it because it's a lot of fun and you know everything that they did it's I would say technically, I wouldn't say everything. Um, it Most seems like everything is technically impossible. Is that what you're it, saying? Yeah, technically impossible, but super fun to watch. But I mean, it was really, really enjoyable throughout the. I thought the storyline was pretty good. Idris El, El, Idris something. What's his last name? Idris Elba. Elba, good. I love him as an actor. He's really, really good. Um, you get, and he's also able to use his real accent in this one. Uh, but all in all, I thought it was the the play between Jason Statham and The Rock was really, really good. Um, the storyline was okay. It wasn't horrible and it wasn't great. It was it was just okay. You know, it was good. And, you know, it really brought you in. But at no point was like, okay, it's time for me to, you know, go to the bathroom. I was like, oh, I got to run to the bathroom real quick. How about you? Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. Now, that last thing that you just mentioned... We'll talk about it maybe in a little bit, or even right now. I felt that the movie should have ended at one specific point, and then all of a sudden they go for like another 40 minutes to Samoa. Yes. Did you, yes. you felt the same way then? Well, I thought the what, movie was over after they blew up Etienne or, or whatever that biochemical plant was. Oh, no, I, I didn't think it was over because I still had to get it out of her. And well, no, you, I mean, they had the box with her. I thought they would stop the truck, uh, hook her up to it, and get it out. You know what I mean? Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. When they're driving like it wasn't away. With... over, over. There's still five or ten minutes and, and one final battle with Brixton. But, man, I was so surprised when it just kept going. I agree because, you know, they're driving away with that box and they're getting away and the main bad guy is left behind. You would think, okay, they're good. You know, I go, boom, just take it out of her and, she, and then everything's kind of hunky-dory. Then they got to take care of the main bad guy. The one key was the main bad guy never didn't actually die um, at that time. So you can kind of see how that would play out. But I didn't see this whole thing of, you know, going and, and uh, resurrecting old bones, dead bones and Samoa and, you know, that whole fight scene and the planning and um you know uh booty traps and things like that pretty cool oh i agree with you 100 percent, man i i so i enjoyed them going to samoa i was just totally unprepared for it so it was kind of interesting how they took it there i i kind of felt that you know after the movie walking away from it thinking about it i kind of felt that samoa would have been a really good 
like a, a really good thing to do in part two, you know, like that's a, an entire like thing itself. I mean, you're taking all the time. The Fast and Furious has always been, I guess you can see some Cuba, uh, you know, but for the most part, it's like LA's and streets of London and kind of stuff like big metropolitan stuff. And for the first time ever, you know, you, you go to Samoa. It just felt like it could have been a totally different movie. Oh, the, the Samoa part could have been a totally different movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, gotcha. But I didn't think it, de- it detracted. I thought it was actually really good. I don't know. You don't think it's that. But um, I thought it fit really well. But they could have definitely done something like that. But, you know, in all, with telling the story of the brothers and the mom coming in and throwing slip, uh, you know, flip-flops at people, super fun. And they did it really well in a, in a timely fashion, you know, a concise and a well-done fashion. So I, I thought that from beginning to end, I was entertained throughout the whole story. I agree with you. I wasn't bored at all. Action packed. And oh, what'd you think about the action directing? Sometimes we talked about it and I think it was Stuber where it seemed like the director wasn't really good at action. Too many cuts. You didn't really follow the action that well. I felt with all the action, car action, motorcycle driving action, fighting through hallways and big crowded spaces action. I mean, I thought they did a really good job with the action in this one. I thought they did um, almost maybe subpar in my opinion. With oh, the really? Com- yeah, when it comes to fighting action, because they didn't shake the camera a whole lot, which is what makes people want to throw up, but they did so many quick cuts that you, it just look, makes it look so much action packed or, you know, it makes it so much faster. Now, the I, I, reason why I say it was, you know, subpar was because of all the quick cuts, like one punch and then quick cut, one punch and then quick cut. Anybody can film like that. That's, that's super, super simple. But when you have like a, you know, Jackie Chan, uh, fight scene that's like, you know, five minutes long and they're constantly throwing punches back and forth, like choreography and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I could be a little off base because they did have a few scenes where it was more than just like one punch, but there was a ton of just quick cuts, which was a little more, um, I guess making my brain like, Oh, work extra hard. Yeah, I agree with you. There was a ton of those, but they did it pretty well, well enough that you can really follow the action and you knew where your hero was in relation to the bad guys. So yes, a lot of jump cuts, but it it worked for me, I should say. Yeah, I'm not saying it didn't work. Um, Just there was one or two points. I think it was, and I really liked the um, playing off of at the very beginning where they both kind of have a similar scenario where somebody approaches them or, you know, they have like a, something they got to take care of. They start fighting people. And just the way that they're both doing the exact same thing at the same time, but in different ways, showing how Statham is much more subtle and stealth-wise. And The Rock is just a you know, a big dump truck, you know, going down the road, blowing things up. And, and the banter between the two and sharing how, you know, Statham sees his, uh, The Rock as being a bulldozer or like a big wrecking ball. And, you know, so it really showed it. The storyline helped with the dialogue and help you to see the different personalities and how they see each other and the characteristics and stuff. Yeah, 100%, man. I'm down with that. And I like how they just play off of each other. They're a perfect comedic and action duo because it's like, you know, putting chocolate and peanut butter together. I mean, they're two totally different things, but when you slam them together, they work so well. And you mentioned a lot of those um, uh, scenes where, you know, they're they're talking and it's not just talking. It's more like insulting each other back and forth. They had like three or four of those throughout the movie. Really good stuff. You just want to hear the next thing that comes out of their mouth, you know, insulting the other one. Yeah, and they were some good insults, like back and forth, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I would definitely watch this movie again because it was fun. It was an enjoyable. Now, let me ask you, 
Who would you rather hang out with? Hobbs or Shaw? Just personality-wise, like, hey, let's go get a, grab a beer. Or let's go, you know, go do something. Let's hang out together. Who would you rather pick to hang out with? Hobbs, 100%. He's more my speed, my type of guy. Uh, Shaw is just a bit too posh and polished. He's into super expensive cars. Um, Shaw loves hanging out with his daughter. As we saw in the prior uh, Fast and Furious 8 or Fate of the Furious, he was coaching her soccer team, showed her how to do, you know, the whole team did a haka. I mean, he's a family man and all, so he's more my style. I wanted to... I guess, like Shaw more than I do. You're right. Like the, his Shaw's personality, the way he is like Jason, Jason Statham's a super cool dude. At least he seems really cool from, you know, what I've seen. Um, and his personality seems pretty cool, but just, uh, Shaw's character and being, um, much more serious, much more just like, uh, calm and cool, but that's at the same time serious. I, I, I like being around people that like are energetic and want, I want to be around. That's something that played off of inside the um, body cavity search in the airport. It's like, you know, (laughs) how'd you get out of that? Well, there's something that like, I don't know how he says it, but basically there's a difference between me and you. People like me. (laughs) And so we got out of it and I was like, yes, I do. I, I would like to hang out with or the rock or with Hobbs himself because he's fun. He's energetic. He's a family guy, which I am too all that sort of stuff and just be entertaining and enter- uh, uh, just have a good time hanging out with somebody rather than um, Shaw. It would just be sit around not talking to each other and just kind of just, uh, you know, being angry at the world. So I just, I'm a Hobbs fan myself. Totally, man. You and I right there together. But um, one thing about uh, Jason Statham, if you were hanging out with him, you would get the feeling that he's constantly judging you and everyone else around you. You know what I mean? I think it's his shifty eyes. Yes, mm, I there agree. you go. I, I agree. Like Simpsons, the shifty dog eyes. Exactly. You know who the bad guy is with the shifty eyes. That's <laughs> right, man. That's right. Um, so there, there's a few, a few small things. Like one thing I want to talk to you about was in the very beginning. You mentioned this in a prior movie. I can't remember. It might have been Stuber again, right? And I feel the exact same way. I don't like it when the gun-toting heroes or even the bad guys when they put away they gun when they put away their guns to fight with fists. You know, like Hattie did in the very beginning. She's holding a shotgun, and then before she even takes a shot, she slings it behind her back and then goes and starts doing flips and taking out guys with her legs and hands. I, I just don't get. It. And this movie did a lot of that, finding reasons to have no guns, like needing the retinal scans in the hallway. The guy had to be alive to see his eyes, and you know their mama sold all the guns, which. I mean, it's cool not having guns and doing fist, you know, fist, uh, fist to fist fighting and stuff. But John Wick does a better job of just having guns. But then occasionally there needs to be a reason for hand to hand fighting, you know. It's more out of necessity why John Wick. And I I completely agree that John Wick does it much, much better where, you know, it's basically whatever you need to do in order to survive. And that's what John Wick does, which is why we just love John Wick. This movie, when it comes down to the, the fighting it really do, it leaves a lot. Like you said, um, her running with the shotgun, then throwing it behind her back. Now, why that looks cool, I really like the way you have the um, ability to stow a firearm really, really quickly so you get do something else that you need with your hands or something. Just super awesome. Um, uh, from stowing it to actually pulling it out, like that's really, really cool to see. But it absolutely makes no sense. Like, why would you even have a shotgun if you're just not going to use it? Yeah. So going along with her, what was her name again? Hattie? Hattie, yeah. Okay, Hattie, what do you think about ultra, ultra, ultra skinny anorexic girls being able to knock a dude out and punch him and and flip him and all that sort of stuff? What do you think about that? This like super hot, ultra thin anorexic women being able to do that? 
in general, I don't like it, but I really do. I really enjoyed her battle with The Rock and how he was just not, like, uh, her skills weren't able to overpower him like she overpowered other guys, you know, in those earlier scenes. So, yeah. but I agree with you. Yes, in general, not a big fan of it. Okay, so that got me thinking of another movie that was a long time ago. I think we were maybe like teenagers, but it was, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. You'll probably remember. It was like Kid Ninja or something. It was like a family of three boys that were like, I don't know, 12 years old, but they were trained by a ninja dad or grandpa. And do you remember what that movie was called? Wait, you're not talking about three ninjas, right? Maybe it's three ninjas, but well, three that's the American kids, like- one. There was a Chinese version one. Okay, yeah, so three ninjas, and they had like two or three um, sequels to, or at least one sequel, if not another one. But you got a 12-year-old or even an 8-year-old punching a grown adult in the face, knocking him out with one punch. I'm like, that is physically impossible for that to happen. Same thing with this girl, you know, doing everything that she does. Now, Ronda Rowdy, I can see her. Yeah, she she's thick and I mean not thick like fat but like she's she's got some muscle. She obviously has technique, but she looks like she's she's she can handle herself. Uh, anorexic girls and especially that that Russian um you know team that he goes and meets up with that are all just hot chicks that are just really skinny. I'm like that there's no way. I just that takes me out of the movie which I don't like. I agree with you there, but that led to one of the best the best fight moves ever when they're in the alleyway. Hattie and Hobbs, they're fighting. She's got him on the ground. She's wrapped around his arm, and he does a Turkish get-up and lifts her over his head in one move from the ground. You know, something that you do with like a 70 or or whatever pound kettlebell, he does it with a 110-pound chicken. I thought that was awesome. That was super awesome. You know what? I was actually at the gym today, and one of my friends that works out there, he knows I absolutely hate Turkish get-ups. Like, they're the dumbest things in the world until I saw the movie. I was like, <laughs> wow, that's a Turkish. I completely, I was like, dude, that's an awesome Turkish get-up. Now, I always say, you know, if there's an American get-up, I'll do the American get-up. I'm not <laughs> Turkish. So if, I'll do the American get-up. But yeah, that was super cool. Just picking her straight up in the air and she's just hanging on. I thought that was, that's like me with my, uh, you know, six-year-old daughter. I could easily do that. And so that was awesome. 100%. Man, you know, uh, one thing that this movie did, it totally set up for another movie. Like in the beginning, maybe not the beginning, midway through or whatever, you hear Brixton, Idris Elba's character, goes into Etienne, and then you hear the director speaking to him with a disguised voice. You know that that guy's going to come back in a future movie. Like that was a note that I took as we were watching the movie. Um, and then Elsa Gonzalez, she was like basically a cue for James Bond, right? Like she had all these weapons and she helped supply Shaw on them. And then Kevin Hart, he ended up being Air Marshal Dinkley. And like, that's the guy that can get anything that you need, any kind of vehicle, any kind of air, air transport in the future, you know? So they're setting it up for future movies. Kind of reminds me of like Mission Impossible where you have the uh, Mission, actually all these, you know, spy type movies, there's somebody that can help them and facilitate something. And so I thought that was really fun seeing Kevin Hart. I like Kevin Hart. He makes the screen just like, and the way he talks and everything, like everything about him just makes you like enjoy watching him. That's why he's he's so good. Plus he's very, very funny. But also was, was this the first time Ryan Reynolds was ever in a Fast and Furious? That's the only first time I've seen him. Yes, I believe so. I thought that was fantastic when you got Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds coming and popping out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I was so surprised, man, to see that. And today while I was just uh, on YouTube for a little bit, uh, you know, you suddenly see movies and they're talking about, you know, in the in the thumbnail for not movie. I'm sorry. 
in the thumbnail for the video, they say something about, you know, Hobbs and Shaw, and then you see Ryan Reynolds' face. Like, you and I, we didn't watch the previews. We didn't know that Ryan Reynolds would be in this. It was a total surprise. But for everybody who's just on YouTube, you suddenly see thumbnails. They're kind of, not big spoilers, but it kind of spoils the surprise for you. You know, it's not as exciting when you're watching the movie, and you saw all those thumbnails ahead of time. Yeah, I didn't know Kevin Hart or Ryan Reynolds were in it. And so yeah. obviously when all of a sudden they're having breakfast and then Ryan Reynolds pops up like, oh, that's awesome. And then they're about ready to fight in the airplane. And then Kevin Hart pops around. Hey, guys, I'm like, dude, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah, it was it was amazing, man. It, I really liked the relationship that Ryan Reynolds' character kind of thought he had with The Rock. You know, we're basically family. And I loved how he was talking to his daughter, um, telling her all that uh, kind of stuff that you normally wouldn't tell a 12-year-old, you know what I mean, about death and dying in the danger and stuff. Yeah, so it melts, not the inside, but melts your outsides. And I was yep. like, Ryan Reynolds, his, the way he says things is hilarious. Like, oh, just, yeah, the, the the communication between The Rock being as hard as he is and Ryan Reynolds being as soft as he is, but obviously being Deadpool is super Super awesome. It was really, really fun seeing the play between them and saying, and uh, The Rock saying, or uh, uh, Hobbs saying, we're not friends. He goes, yes, you're right. We're more than friends. We're family. <laughs> so, yeah. <that's> so good. <laughs> that's right. Bringing up the family thing, you know, just uh, pulling a theme from all the Fast and Furious movies and continuing it here. Yes, I love it. And so every bit of the movie didn't feel like it was a knockoff or... Um, I guess something that would just be like a waste of time. It felt it didn't necessarily feel fresh. It just felt good. Like when I was going through the movie, I enjoyed every bit of it. Oh, without a doubt. And you know, one of the reasons why probably is because Chris Morgan, he is the he created the story. He was the screenwriter for this one. He also wrote Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, Furious Seven, Fate of the Furious. Like he's been the Fate of the Furious. Not, I'm sorry, he's been the uh, Fast and Furious writer ever since Part Five. Ever since the the series really, you know, skyrocketed. You know, so you got the same guy doing this. He knows his stuff. He knows how to put the comedy with the action and make for a great story at the same time. Yeah, yeah, loved it, loved it, and the the technology that Idris Idris Elba had. I thought you know the the his body obviously being uh cyborg he says what do you mean what do you mean we got the terminator following us and so you know his body as well as the motorcycle and and being able to get on the motorcycle that fast and jump and you know do all that fun that was obviously very very fun to watch and seeing a motorcycle that is as advanced as it is i mean it's basically like an extension of his body so everything about that was really cool now at the very end we see how the main uh director says to um, Hobbs, you don't remember me, do you? I'm like, of course I don't remember you. Your voice is disguised. Now, if I could hear your voice, and <laughs> that's something that was going through my brain, but what do you think about that line, you know, hey, you don't remember me, do you? Yeah, it's interesting. I can't, I can't guess anybody from prior movies from parts five through eight in The Fast and Furious who that could be, but I bet you in the next movie we'll get an idea, or we'll see who it ends up being. And, and maybe it ends up being Tyrese because there's kind of a... Um, Outside of the movie, there's like a little bit of a banter, or maybe banter is not the right word, bickering or fighting amongst the Fast and Furious cast. You know, some of them don't like the fact that uh, Hobbs and Shaw is out there, and it's not instead just a, a Furious movie instead, you know? I really doubt that it would be Tyrese. I know. <laughs> He's not yeah. smart enough to run a biochemical evil 
corporation. <laughs> that and the mannerisms and how he talked and all that sort of stuff. That wouldn't be Ty- Tyrese would be like, he'd be loud. He'd be going after. And I'm <laughs> exactly. like, but yeah, he'd be a loud guy. Like, like uh, one of, I can't remember which one it was, but he had to make a distraction inside one of the big buildings. Maybe there's a re- most recent one or something. It was but, part seven when he was up seven. on the 80th floor. Yeah, that was perfect. Like that was him. I was like, dude, I love that scene. That was awesome. And so his personality did not come out if it was him. But uh, yeah, I bet if we went and watched back, you know, five, six, seven, eight, we go watch all those. We'll pick somebody and be like, okay, that's probably him. Um, it's just because we know who didn't die and who did die, who's a bad guy or left and all that good stuff. Yep. For sure. I just now, if you were the director, would you off your asset being, um, you know, the main bad guy, Idris? I can't remember what the bad guy's name was. Yeah, Brixton what? was his Brixton. name, and yeah. yeah, I'm down with that. I mean, you've still got the director, and you've got to assume if he's been experimenting on Brixton, he's probably got like he was based in London, right? I mean, he's probably got guys in Dubai and somewhere in Africa, and and maybe even somebody up in Canada that he's doing the exact same thing. Uh, with him you know he's got other cyborgs that he can bring into the fold or into the next movie to battle our heroes yeah i wonder how much, how far it would go like do you think this is going to take off and be like a hobbs and shaw part two three four eighteen just like fast and furious i bet you there's going to be at least three at, at a minimum a trilogy minimum huh mm-hmm. yeah yeah i could see that and um i noticed at the very end you had the producers being jason statham and the rock you know, Dwayne Johnson, seeing them being as producers. So if their names are behind it, more than likely they're going to keep driving the the franchise, you know, being Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, without a doubt, man. Can you believe how many awesome just... I don't, I don't know about how many, but there are some really good franchises going from all the MCU stuff, the Fast and the Furious stuff, uh, a few others too. Maybe Harry Potter ended, but that was a great franchise. I mean, I guess maybe in the early 2000s is when we started this whole franchise thing. Um, maybe Star Wars started it, it initially, but um, you know, I, I really like franchises and how they can continually put out new movies that work in concert with the prior movies. It's kind of like taking the whole TV show idea, but then putting it out in full movies and and I, and I love how it you know I love the way cinema is progressing right now I agree with you and it reminds me that books in general books have done the same thing um probably a little before before the movie started I think the movies probably started taking off a little bit after the books but basically you get one character in the book you know somebody has somebody writes a book and they have a, a few characters in there but they have one main character and then they realize people like this character. They want to keep following that character. So they write 10 books on the same character. You know, Clancy, I believe uh, Jack Ryan. Is it Jack Ryan, I think, was for mm-hmm, Clancy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just keep following the same character over and over again. Similar thing. You're following the same guys doing the same thing over and over again. And it makes it entertaining. But here's the catch, though. You can't suck at doing the second one. Like, the sequel can't suck. If the sequel sucks and the story's horrible then it's not going to work. The The next one has to be better. And the reason why I stopped watching Fast and Furious, I watched part two. I was like, oh, that's not that good. And wait, wait, which one was Tokyo Drift? Was that number three? Oh, I I can't remember timeline. That might have been timeline-wise, or like not actual movie release. release. It might have been number two, but within the series, it's like number seven. I think, okay, yeah. So what I when I watched the Tokyo Drift or part of it, it was like with part two or part three like they just weren't that good in my opinion i didn't care for them at least didn't definitely did not live up to the first one so it definitely didn't do that but by the time you got to four five six seven they got better and so you can't have a crappy sequel if you do then the franchise is crap and it's gone 
Yeah, quite often, but this is the one movie or the one franchise that kind of dispels that myth, you know? Yeah, because they realize, hey, Fast and Furious has so many people around the world that love it. Let's just put another one out. Let's try it again and see how it goes. And now they're making a crap load of money. Yeah, it was part five that kind of found the formula and hit its stride. And that's where everything really started. Part four. Have you ever seen part four? Like when they're driving through tunnels and it's actually CG cars as opposed to real cars. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember seeing that. Was it good? no not really but for some reason it struck a nerve and people liked it so it made a lot of money and then so bam they decided to do part five and then that's when it blew up when they went down to cuba stole the bank you remember that scene of course seeing the gigantic safe that was incredible i've never seen anything like that before driving a safe through town destroying buildings destroying cop cars absolutely loved it yeah that makes i think we should talk about that movie sometime yeah so is well what's his name um Vin Diesel, is he a part of this anymore? Part of, like, yeah. Fast and Furious? He's still a part of the... I'm not exactly sure of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but he's still part of the Fast and Furious, but I don't think he has nothing to do with this movie. Yeah, because I remember something like Dwayne writing, like, a, a tech or a Twitter post that was like, I'm, I'm so glad I'm, I'm not working with these candy-ass, like, actors anymore at Fast and the Furious, or something like that. Like, he was saying that they're just a bunch of babies. And people were alluding to that he was meaning Vin Diesel. So I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they wanted to continue on with um, uh, Hobbs and Shaw because they can make more money in this direction. They're just doing spinoffs left and right. But yeah, you could tell that some they don't all love each other in the movie's uh, uh, franchise. No, they don't, man. And, and my guess is you got a big star like Vin Diesel um he's probably not as he doesn't have as strong as of a work ethic he's probably not doing i'm sure you know the rock has his own stunts and stuff but i i bet there's a lot of things where you can see on set where the rock is the hardest working man in show business he will never complain he's probably always there on time for work he woke up at 3 30 a.m to do his workout before going to the shoot at 7 a.m kind of a thing and then you got a guy like vin diesel who's not nearly as in shape as he was when he started the series he's kind of letting himself go and just he's probably not as hard of a worker and so i think that's where the rift is between the two um vin diesel's doing a lot of complaining maybe behind the scenes behind the camera kind of complaining whereas the rock says come on dude let's just get our crap together and you know uh, muscle through this yeah, I'm not a fan of people who complain and just keep uh, just negative Nancys. And I just, I'm not a fan of that. Hey, we got to get a job done. Let's get it done. Um, try to enjoy ourselves along the way. Now, if you're going to be complaining, go do it someplace else. I don't want to hear it. But then at the same time, you know, I can, I definitely see how The Rock, um, Dwayne Johnson, is such a hard worker just by, you know, his physique in general. I remember he played in like a he was a quarterback in a in a movie and he was really thin now he's just yoked and huge not saying that um the only that alone is what gets you to be you know hard worker i can i i just perceive that he's taking that love for exercising working out putting that into movies and the very first time i saw dwayne johnson being an amazing actor was when he played on saturday night live have you ever seen him play on saturday night live I saw some of the skits from that performance, and yes, he rocked it. I yeah, it was like um, he was like a Neanderthal man with one like another one of the actors. I can't remember uh, Saturday Night Live actors, but I just knew him from from WWF or WWE now. You know, being a wrestler, and then I saw him acting on Saturday Night Live. 
I thought this dude is brilliant. He is such an amazing actor. And from there, I was just like, I was just blown away at his acting skills because it was just amazing. Like he outacted everybody on Saturday Night Live. I mean, who's been doing it forever? And he did a fantastic job. So I really, you know, hands off, hats off to um, uh, Dwayne Johnson. He's a fantastic actor as well. Yeah, without a doubt, man. And and um, I know that your favorite uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie was Skyscraper, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember the movie Walking Tall? Of course I remember Walking Tall. That's fun stuff. Yeah, I, I only watched it once. It was a good movie. It was supposed to be based on a true, true, uh, true story. It didn't really get a whole lot of press or you know it wasn't really big but it was a good story and Dwayne Johnson did a great job in that movie as well I think just about every money every every single movie that I've seen him in have been really really good or at least I see him acting very very well other than uh, you know obviously skyscraper it's more the story that was crap but he did a pretty decent job but Nev Campbell he I guess you know I don't know if it's her or both of them but they sucked together as a couple <laughs> they did man they for sure did you know my first like you said uh the first time that you know you really noticed his acting was in Saturday Night Live now I'm not going to say this was his acting but I remember in the movie The Rundown have you ever do you you've seen that one I'm sure oh yeah that was with uh that funny guy uh, Sean William Scott there you go. Yep, and Rosario Dawson. I mean, I loved that movie. I thought it was so good. Action-packed. ton of comedy as well, you know. Kind of like the same vein that the whole Fast and Furious franchise has taken. You know, action plus the comedy. Two people who bounce personality-wise. They bounce against each other, you know. And so there's a little bit of fight between the two, and that leads to a ton of comedy. So that was where I first really started enjoying The Rock. Other than, I mean, I guess The Mummy 2 when he was a Scorpion King. <laughs> which was like the most terrible cg some of the most terrible cg ever that was the absolute like you could draw freehand better <laughs> than they did with the cgi it was that that bad and, uh, but, but yeah, i still so- i absolutely love the first two mummy movies i mean those both get a pluses from me i can try to you know i can disregard or look beyond the bad cg and just see the fun action comedic elements in those movies I definitely agree. And I think one of my favorite movies from uh, The Rock or Dwayne Johnson is Pitch Black. He did a great job in that movie. Wait. Huh? I'm just kidding. That was oh a big <laughs> You confused me. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you're, you're suddenly talking about Dwayne Johnson, and then you bring up a, an I, old movie of um, uh, Vin Diesel's. I, I was So it was a poorly timed joke. It would have been a lot better if I would have said it back when we were both talking about, or we were talking about Vin Diesel yeah. and The Rock having a rivalry between the two. It would have been a better joke if I would have said it then. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Oh, speaking of Vin Diesel, I heard a story about him once. I might have told you this off the air or something, but I guess Vin Diesel, back when he was doing Saving Private Ryan, for the listeners, if you don't remember, he was just one of the soldiers, got gunned down while trying to save a little French girl in one of the scenes. He was one of the soldiers with Tom Hanks, but I guess during the filming of that movie, he... He's always wanted to be a big star, and some of his co-stars on that movie saw him walking down the street with nobody else on the street, but he was just walking down with his arms out, kind of like like he was like in a dream trance or something, and they asked him about it, and they said, I just want to feel what it's like and try to remember this moment when I didn't have mobs of people coming up and surrounding me as I walked down the street. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that is 
probably one of the most arrogant things I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I know, I'm not going to say that I got the details of that story exact, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, I, I'm sure it would have been something like that. Vin Diesel just comes across as somebody that would do that, but oh well, oh well. So, uh, but Jason Statham in the movie did a great job. I think all the acting in general, I didn't see too much other than, like I said, the anorexic, you know, pretty anorexic lady that should not be able to knock somebody dude out with a punch yeah. um, is doing that. Outside of that, the majority of it was a lot of fun. And I liked the very end when they were at in Samoa and they made all those. Oh, obviously, it was rather irritating. I got rid of the guns. Those kill people. Like the mom says, those kill people. I'm like, you have these bats and things that kill people too. Like, why don't you just get rid of everything? Like, <laughs> like in London, they banned guns, which I completely understand. England is like that. That's how England takes away everybody's freedom. So they, they don't have any guns there. They can't even have like hunting rifles. And then they realize... People, they don't need a gun, so they started using knives and started stabbing people. And so there's more stabbings in London than there are in gunshots or, you know, gun murders in New York. And there's now they're starting, they're banning knives. You can't even carry a kitchen knife, like, in your shopping bag. Like, it has to be locked up or something. So it's not the weapon. It's the person that's going to do it. And so when the mom said that, I was like, oh, she's definitely not a Second Amendment supporter. I, I'm definitely a Second Amendment supporter. It, you can never have too many firearms. That's just what I, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you for sure. And you just mentioned Samoa. And I really like, of course, it seems obvious. You've got to bring Cliff Curtis in for this kind of role. You know, he's a Polynesian guy from New Zealand. Perfect actor. He played the older brother, Jonah, you know. And I am I always like seeing Cliff Curtis in any of his movies or any Cliff movie with Cliff Curtis, I guess I should say. Yeah, Cliff Curtis is really, really good. In fact, his look or his facial features has allowed him to play many different different ethnic, um, you know, uh, uh, characters. I remember he was even like a jihadist one time. Yeah, I can't remember which movie, but um, and he was also a Colombian, and I, he just he's he can fit every almost every role. But when I saw him as a, a Simone, I was like, huh, maybe like he looks more like a you know um, somebody from like Saudi Arabia than somebody from Samoa, but. At the same time, he fit in just fine, and I really like the the way they worked. He and uh, Dwayne Johnson worked back and forth together. Oh yeah, they were great. Do you remember Cliff Curtis in um, Training Day as a Mexican gangster? Oh yes, that's what I remember. It. <laughs> yes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's okay. That's where I remember him from. That, but I think he was also in a movie with um arnold schwarzenegger where arnold schwarzenegger didn't even use a gun he was like a firefighter and his daughter got kidnapped and he'd go all the way down to columbia so anyways i you know he plays uh, many different types of um uh, nationalities oh for sure man he's good i think that one if i remember right is collateral damage probably there we go collateral damage yes sweet sweet so well, let's go ahead and get to our lessons what is your first lesson learned my very first lesson learned is always have one in the chamber now, what that means for people who wouldn't know is uh, the first thing is guns, firearms, pistols, rifles, all that. They have magazines that hold the bullets. Now, in this movie, there's somebody even says, I can't remember who it is. Oh, um, I think it was Dwayne might have said, like, empty the clip or Idris Alba said, empty the clip. There's no such thing as a clip for a pistol. Now, here's the way it works out. There's a bullet. The bullet is in a cartridge. So the bullet is a projectile. The cartridge holds the bullet and holds the gunpowder. Then that goes into a clip. That clip is a strip clip that that then goes inside of a magazine. The magazine goes inside the gun. So anyways, the way it works out is... You sound like a firearms professor right now. I do, huh? (laughs) Or maybe a gunnery sergeant. (laughs) 
<laughs> call me Gunny. There you go. So the magazine holds all the bullets. This the clips was back in like World War II, where they had to have a clip of uh, bullets all pressed together. Then they have to shove, jam it down into the rifle, and that clip flies out. Anyways. You know, when they talk about a magazine, that's what is a magazine. It holds the all the bolts together. Now, when I say always have one in the chamber, multiple times, you see somebody who has a gun on them, especially a bad guy. A bad guy should be ready to shoot at any time. He pulls out his pistol and then pulls the slide back to load a round into the chamber from the magazine, not clip, from the magazine. And he does that. I'm like, how do you, are you being a bad guy? Walk around with it not being ready. Like you have to pull it out, ram, uh, 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 put a uh, round in the chamber, then shoot. And it happened a couple times. I think uh, the, the, the anorexic girl did it as well. I'm just like, you'd never, never go around, especially if you're going to do something bad, not have a round in the chamber. So when I carry my pistol, there's always a round in the chamber. So just one extra step I don't have to do. And so always carry with one in the chamber. I got you. It makes total sense. I like that lesson, especially if uh, you're a bad guy or police officer on duty kind of a thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yep, yep. So my first lesson is you can learn a lot about somebody by fighting them. And The Rock said this to Hattie. And I've never actually been in a fight, so I don't intrinsically know this. But I know Joe Rogan and other fighters on his show have talked about it. You truly do understand somebody once you fight them. And it makes total sense to me. I'm just, you know, not a fighter. So maybe it's a life lesson that I will never actually uh, truly learn intrinsically, you know. Well, I think you have to be in many fights in order to learn something from that. Like, you know, if, if you're just learning how to talk and you just start talking to somebody... You don't know what to learn from somebody when they're talking to you. It's just, you know, as as you get older, you eventually learn. Same thing with fighting. Uh, or, you know, maybe put it towards playing football or, you know, playing a sport against somebody. Um, or even paintball. Like, you learn about the characteristics, what how they think and what they do. And so, yes, I can absolutely see that. I personally, I think I've been in maybe one or two fights. And it's not fun, obviously. I know fighting is never fun. But you have to be in a lot of fights in order to learn how, so, like, what somebody else did. I remember that. Now this next person is doing something different. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a hard lesson to learn. And I don't want to learn it. Yeah, I got you. Neither do I. I'd rather just talk to somebody and learn, <laughs> you know, learn about them that way. Yeah, totally. Have a beer with them. There you go. So my second lesson is family is the most important thing in this life. And so if you don't have your family, there's no point in continuing doing what you're doing until you fix whatever the problem is. Now, Hobbs should have done a long time ago. He left, he ran away. You know, he was either ashamed or just wanted to get away from the problem and all that sort of stuff and turning his dad in. So he ran away and that made a huge problem between his brother and his, obviously his mom can't see, hasn't seen him. And that's why I love way the reason why you and I do the podcast is because we can stay connected and still enjoy talking to each other, still, you know, um, uh, talk about life and just really just be together, which is really, really good. So family is the most important. Nice. I agree with you 100%. I love that lesson right there. And that's something we learned from uh, all of the Fast and Furious movies too, you know? Yeah. And I like that about the Fast and the Furious movies. Yep, cool beans. So my second lesson is go to a stunt driving school so you'll be ready for your next big high-speed chase. And I did a little Googling uh, before we got on here, and there's this one that I found. It's called the Rick Seaman Stunt Driving School, and they charge uh, $2,900 for a big three-day thing, or they have an economy one for $1,200. But you're learning things like front and wheel, or you're driving a front and wheel drive stunt cars. You go through slalom and obstacle courses for 
forward and reverse spins, high speed reverse driving, precision 90 and 180 degree slides, um, e-brake and throttle drifting. All that kind of stuff, man. That sounds really good. And I think when Mason turns 16, and that's for the listeners, my oldest son, I think I might be taking him to this. Uh, uh. Hey, you got to be ready, baby. Uh. When the cops well, start chasing, you got to be able to escape. Oh, uh, I would say you and I should go to that. Not a 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> that I was right there with you until you said, bring a 16-year-old. I'm like, no. Well, hey, there's this quote on their website, and it says, at age 16, a 60-year driving career begins. So, hey, we've got to start them off on the right foot. You know, set them up for success. I guess so. Show off for chicks. And, uh, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be the worst? I buy Mason a car, and he's out there doing 180 and 90-degree spins and stuff because I took him to the stunt school. That would not be fun. That no, would it not wouldn't. Be good. So, but if you ever go, I will go. I will definitely put down the the, the uh, Skrilla in order to get uh, go and learn that. That would be a lot of fun. Just like I would love to do, uh, like, a, a three-day um, – like firearms course where you're like entering into buildings and, and like all that. So I'd love to do that. That would be a lot of fun. I just have yet to to do it, but a driving school would be so much fun. Uh, For sure. For sure. And for the listeners, uh, least you forget, uh, Dusty is the super coolest, hippest guy. And he just used the word Skrilla for us. (laughs) (laughs) Dusty is in it with the, with the today's teenage crowd. (laughs) So my third lesson is, Get creative when you're doing booty traps. You know, you want to make sure that you make flares. You want to make sure you see people coming. But at the same time, you want to have some surprises. And if you don't have, you know, like rocket launchers and guns that you can actually protect yourself with, you need to do like pull a Home Alone and Macaulay Culkin it and go around and make everything booty trapped. And you'll be protected at least as best you can and try to plan uh, you know, if you're going to be going down the street, like if your house is getting attacked, you got to plan down the street because you're going to take them down the street because they, you know, eventually you're going to get there and you have your booty traps all set up there. And yes, get creative. Absolutely, man. It was like a Samoa alone movie. <laughs> Samoa alone. Yep. And um, yeah, you're right. You know, what's interesting about these movies is no matter what. We know that there's going to be some kind of car chase involved in just about any action scene. So they knew the bad guys were coming to Samoa. Of course, they're going to be coming in cars with a helicopter. We've got to be able to take them away from the compound where everybody's at, you know, and beat them on the road. Yeah, and that was something that being Fast and Furious, we got a little bit of car chases, motorcycle chases, but it didn't. It just felt like a normal heist type movie, you know, where they're, you know, escaping from people. It didn't feel like Fast and the Furious until the very end at Samoa when there were all these cars moving around. So I was glad they finally brought that in. Oh, totally. I agree with you. I felt the exact same way. Um, Let me see here. My last lesson, we can accomplish so much more with teamwork. And that's true in life. You know, I mean, I recently created my first membership for my poker business, you know, my online poker teaching. And you helped me create the membership. I mean, you and I together. If I would have done this all by myself, it would have been like three weeks of me planning and figuring out the software and stuff. But you had already done with it or you had already done it. And in like three days, we nailed it down together, you know. And the same thing in this movie, Hobbs and Shaw took on Brixton. One was willing to take a punch while the other one sucker punched him in the back of the head kind of stuff you know yeah yeah absolutely and that's something that i've learned especially with my online business and real estate all the businesses that i start the more people i get to 
you know, that I can help and then they can help me, the better business gets. And so I got to bring up, so we talked about Ryan Reynolds a little bit and we know who Ryan Reynolds also plays. He plays Deadpool. And so Sky, you got me the Deadpool figurine and it's super awesome. And I just got it like literally right before we started recording. I just opened the box. Oh, look at that. That is so awesome. And so thank you very much for getting me that. And, you know, we worked together and I was like, and you said, why did you get that specifically get that for me? (laughs) <laughs> because I wanted to get you something that I knew you would never buy for yourself, but it would be something that you would enjoy looking at, you know, and I know that Deadpool is one of your favorite comic characters. It's also one of your favorite Marvel movies. So that's it. Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm not a, what do they call them? Uh, tchotchkes or like little thing, like figurine type things. I definitely, I, I'm really frugal. Like I don't spend money on that stuff. That's just how I am. Even though I might like it, I don't. But Sky, you got me a probably about three months ago, it was a little Nintendo cartridge. And it has, if you remember the movie Fifth Element, it has um, uh, Corbin. And it's basically Corbin's Alley, just like Duck, uh, was it Hogan's Alley? Or I think? Like Hogan's Alley, yeah. Yeah, where you shoot ducks. Anyways, the old Super Nintendo cartridge. Anyway, it looks like it's a little figurine, has legs and stuff. And so it's pretty fun. And I never would have got that for myself, but I got it from me. I'm like, I'll just put it on my desk. And so it sits on my desk right in front of my monitor. And I never would, literally would never would have bought this just because I'm like, that's a lot of money. I'm not going to spend it on that. And so that's really, really cool. So thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Hey, do me a favor. Take a picture wherever you end up putting Deadpool. Take a picture of him in your office and we can put him up uh, on the interwebs for the show notes for this page. I will. I will absolutely do that. Cool beans, man. So um, I think we hit all of our lessons. So what is your Monday morning quarterback? My Monday morning quarterback is Brick, Bricks, right? That's Idris. Brixton. Brixton. Brixton literally should have done something to like lock her up or just put her on a plane. The 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 um the anorexic girl. Hattie. Put her on mm-hmm. a plane and just constantly fire fly around until she dies. Like, what's the point of extracting it when you're in then going to extract it out or you're gonna like launch it out? Just have her launch it. Just go ahead. You know, that's the next step you're gonna do. Just put her on a plane or get her hidden away so nobody, literally nobody can find him, find her, and then she dies, and then you're good. And the, your plan keeps going. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I think, wasn't their idea, though, that they needed to extract it so that they can modify it to target whoever it is they wanted to target? They Maybe didn't want it just that. out in the air to kill anybody, right? I missed, I think it's already, it's already done. No, but I, I think That's the way it was programmed currently was it's just going to kill everybody, but it could be programmed to kill specific people. So they need to extract it un whatever before it goes off. Got it. Yeah, I think well, so. Uh, well, I do remember the scientists created it so that it would help people. Then they had to demodify it and remodify it to kill people. Now they have to do it all over again. So I get, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that's one of the things that maybe is a little confusing about the storyline, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my Monday morning quarterback. He should just locked her away until she actually died. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you there. Um, my Monday morning quarterback was, she's an MI5 agent, right? And, um, uh, Hobbs brought her in. She's a captive and then you got glass walls everywhere. You leave the office. Just keep an eye on her. Keep your head up. Keep your face turned towards her. You know, you even see while she's taking, like, taking down that one agent guy, you even see people walking around in the background like analysts and stuff, and nobody's paying attention, you know? You've got to have somebody there just watching her 100% of the time because, well, she's an MI, maybe MI6 agent, you know? I agree. I agree. Like, you don't need, oh, I'm not, uh, I'll say it really quickly. So, um, 
my my daughter Ellie, I never told you this, but Ellie might have died um, when she was like maybe three years, four years old, really, really young. So we had a swimming pool in the backyard and um, she tries to follow me around. But anyways, we were swimming at the time. We had friends over swimming at the time and Ellie got out and she was, she said she was completely done. She was probably three and a half, not four yet. And I go walk out and we had friends in the pool. I go walk out and I, I purposefully, cause she wanted to follow me out and I wanted her I can't remember how exactly how it worked, but anyways, like I turned my back because I was, I was starting to walk out and I should not have done that. What she did was she jumped back in and jumped back in and she couldn't touch. And so, um, her friend was a little bit older, could, and he didn't understand that she was going to drown. He just started laughing. And then my other friend, you remember my friend, Sam, Sam saw her, jumped over there, grabbed her up and, you know, saved her life. But man, I was like, man, I definitely am never turning my back again. So yes, that is a great lesson. Yep, yep, never turn your back. I mean, that's how all the villains screw up when they have James Bond. Uh, That's how uh, uh, Dr. Evil screwed up when he had Austin Powers, you know? I mean, you don't turn your back. You just get the job done, like Scotty says, and whip out your gat and pow-pow. Yeah, yeah. Totally. All right, so what is your favorite scene out of the movie? I think the favorite scene, um, I really enjoyed... Even though the Samoa thing was fun, um, I like them doing their little chant, you know, thing at the very the end. Haka. The Samoan guys, yeah, that was that was really fun. But I did think I do think I like most where Cal or Calvin, <laughs> Calvin Hobbs, but Hobbs and Shaw, they're both doing the same similar thing, but different. You know, ones in America, ones in London or England, and they're doing the same things and they're acting differently. I liked the way they edited that, the way they showed it, and I liked the action. I liked all of that from beginning to end, showing them both doing very similar things. I like that. That was the open scenes, opening scene, so they're like spirit brothers, you know, not even knowing it, but they have these exact same routines on a daily basis. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm, let me guess. So your favorite scene is the um, body cavity search scene. Uh, you're oh yes absolutely that is it yep love the body cavity search (laughs) no that scene was a lot of fun um uh my favorite scene is probably the motorcycle chase through london after rappelling down the building and the rappelling scene obviously it's another one of those far-fetched you can't believe it how is he jumping from rappeller to rappeller and not falling to his death you know but it was really fun scene and then like you had said that's where you get to first see that motorcycle in action it does this cool transforming stuff and and brixton's working i just symbiotically i don't know what the word is like he's working in concert with that motorcycle to chase them down that was pretty sweet stuff yeah i agree i i though everything was rather fun even though i'm rather unbelievable Really, really fun. So in all, I give this movie, um, I'm going to have to give it a B plus. No, yeah, I'm torn because I think I want to give him an a, give it an A, but I think it's more of a B plus movie. So I think I'm going to go ahead and stick with a B plus. I'm close to you. I'm giving it a B. And the reason why is because not that I was bored, but I really think it would have been great cutting out the Samoa, Samoa stuff at the end of blowing up that uh, bio research facility then you have the final face off between the two while she's hooking up the machine trying to suck out that virus out of her i mean i think you could have ended the movie 10 minutes after you know what we saw at the end there and i think it would have been a much more compact fun um not so drawn out story and you save samoa for later so i give it a b got it yeah cool um oh before we end real quick um 
two movies in a row once upon a time in hollywood and then this one where a flamethrower plays a particularly uh, important role Yes, it does. I love it. Flamethrowers are back in style. Hopefully, I could pick one at Walmart pretty soon, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we missed our chances, you know. Um, um, oh my gosh, what's the oh, what's the name of the guy that creates Tesla cars? Elon Musk. Yes, there you go. Elon Musk sold um I think 1,000 or maybe it was Yeah, I think he sold 1,000 flamethrowers about 2 years ago for 2,000 bucks each and made a cool 2 million bucks on it. Whoa. You never heard about that? No. Yeah, so he sold flamethrowers, and he said specifically on the website, on the box, this is not a flamethrower, but it actually was a flamethrower. That's how he got around actually being able to sell flamethrowers. And deliver in the mail? (laughs) Yep, yep, delivered in the mail. Yep, 2,000 bucks a pop, so. Wow. Yeah, we missed our chance on that. Man, that would have been fun to have. Yep, yep. Uh, Well, one last thing real quick. The large... My movie prop would be that large Samoan or Polynesian Warhammer that Hobbs first picked up off the wall. I don't know if we saw it in action in the fight, but it was so cool up on the wall when he hefted it. It looked super deadly, dude. I would take that. Yeah, I think that one was really good. Either that or um, there was like a baseball bat looking thing with spikes on it. Um, or at least a little kind of chopped out. That would be fun to have. But I, I'm right there. I was even thinking before, because I'm a, a weapons guy, so I'd love to have an extra weapon just in the house to have, you know, on the wall. But I thought that vial of, um, the, the, the like glowing, um, vial that had all the virus in there, that stuff, that would be pretty neat. But if I were to pick one, the more practical one that I would want to have would be probably the axe as well. So that was good. Sweet, man. Sweet. So, um, anything else about Hobbs and Shaw that we failed to mention? No, I'm good to go. Cool, Bean. So, this movie was your choice, and now you are kind of going out of town. You're doing some stuff over the next three weeks, so we aren't going to be able to watch any brand new movies in theaters. So, you and I, you know, off the podcast, we discussed, you know, we thought three weeks, it's a perfect time to do a trilogy, and we came to a great conclusion together. We decided that we are going to do the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy as our next three movies. Are you looking forward to it? I sure am. Cool. Me too, man. So the next one's going to be The Curse of the Black Pearl. And as you know, I'm sure most everybody listening to this right now, you have seen this movie. You know that rum plays an integral role in it. So I guarantee you over the next three uh, recordings, I'm going to be drinking some rum in spirit or in, um, I guess, I guess in spirit of the movie, you know, as we're recording these. You're going to be the Sky um, Spa. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. I just Captain Sky it. Sparrow? There you go, Captain Sky Sparrow. There we That's go. <laughs> For sure, man. I'm going to be rumming it up. So, And one of the interesting things is, as we're watching these movies, I'm going to really try to be paying attention because they built it, this first movie and then the next two, as a complete trilogy, right? So a lot of the elements from the first one appear in the second, appear in the third. So I'm going to be watching for that kind of stuff and kind of watching it as the first of three parts. You know what I mean? Yes. And when we get to the third one, there's something that I caught when I watched the third one the first time that was, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm going to see if you catch it as well, but it's like integral in not really integral where the whole story falls apart. Actually, no, it kind of does. Like it falls apart and just remember the word captain that, and I'll bring it up when we, because it's in the third one, the third movie that it actually plays out. It's like, wow, that doesn't really fit. So if you remember the word captain and remember in the third one, Watch for something that could maybe like make everything like the whole plot fall apart, but doesn't, it's not huge. Like it's not like groundbreaking or anything, but it's like, huh, that didn't fit. So 
watch Interesting. for that. Interesting. I could be completely wrong because I, <laughs> you know, well, because I watched it was a long time ago, and at the time I thought, hey, that's weird, but that, but that, but that, but that, and so I don't remember exactly how it goes. I just remember the big broad thing. So watch for that. Watch for you know, remember one, two, and three, and when you get to the third one. Be like, just think of that word captain. And then from there, see if you can catch what I catch. And then we'll talk about it and see if I'm completely wrong or if I'm on base. Sweet. That sounds good, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. So uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And of course, you know how we feel about Hobbs and Shaw. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear the life lessons that you pulled away, the Monday morning quarterback that you came up with as well. So go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 60 and leave a little comment. Alrighty then, my name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Pirates of the Caribbean, Part 1, Curse of the Black Pearl. Mm-hmm.